I'm Commander Shepard, and this is Casually Hardcore, my favorite podcast on the internet. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Do not panic, ladies and gentlemen. The casuals have taken control of the airways. This is Casually Hardcore, live on alphageekradio.com. For Sunday, the 4th of August, yes, it's another new month, 2013, this is Casually Hardcore. I am Gnomewise. And I'm Grail. And we are your hosts for today's fine, masculine episode of Casually Hardcore Dudes. That's right. Is that like Baywatch Nights, Casually Hardcore Dudes? Not not yeah. quite the same gravitas there, I don't think. No, no. And I think Baywatch Nights was probably better to look at, so... Boingy, boingy, boingy. Boing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can't talk boobies. Anyway, moving on. Welcome to Casually Hardcore and this fine, hmm, somewhat overcast and not overly oppressively hot in Arizona Sunday afternoon. What a concept. No, I actually went for a run this morning and did not uh, want to kill myself, so yeah, <laughs> I did the, the weather. I did the treadmill in the uh, garage and similarly did not want to oh, die. That'd be a hot box. It is, but it's the, I mean, Iolite is on an airplane on her way to Florida right now. So getting the workout in without, you know, abandoning my children to, you know, <laughs> kill themselves in the house uh kind of means I've got to use the treadmill. So right. it's it's that or nothing. So I decided to go for the the that and I I'm sure it helps. I mean, the, you know, they say saunas are like that that wrap they do to people mm -hmm. where it like shrinks them. I mean, it's the same concept. I'm sure you should just wrap yourself in towels while you're doing it. Oh, no, I sweat like a mofo in there. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it is, it is, you know, definitely a you're doing your thing. But it's also, you know, three feet from the refrigerator full of chilled bottled water. Mm, and nice. within streaming, you know, within distance of the wi-fi and access points so i'm you know streaming thor while i'm doing this so it's nice you know i'm doing this in comfortable discomfort how's that so you're uh you're hoping to reach was it chris uh helmsworth, helmsworth level of uh like ripness no yeah, thor can do it i can do it no that's just what <laughs> came up on netflix recommendations speaking of which the new profile system that they were originally talking about last week that was turning up on Apple TV is now turning up on PS3. Oh. So if you log into Netflix on your PS3, it'll now ask you, hey, who's watching? And it'll give you a little tool there to create additional profiles to get people the hell off of your recommendation list. Interesting. That'd be nice. There's still no tool to go in and edit your existing history. So the, I mean, ours is completely psychotic. 
between right. our children and ourselves and our varying interests. But the new people you create at least get a fresh start and can you know, start teaching Netflix about what they like. Right. I, of course, being the account holder, am screwed until the end of time and will always have My Little Pony Friendship is Magic in my queue. because <laughs> Just permanently. Netflix is, has me pegged as a brony, and it's just going to keep serving up that and everything like it uh, until the end of time just because my three-year-old plays it on infinite repeat when she's, right. not, when she's not playing Tangled. But anyway, so I'm looking forward to that turning up on... Uh, the Roku boxes and for them to have a full suite of management tools on the website. So this is definitely something that's rolling out a bit at a time and kind of showing up haphazardly, but there's tremendous promise there. I'm just looking forward to having my own little world and seeing what that recommendation algorithm can actually unearth for me instead of having it spit up the same, you know, child crap over and over and over again. Right. Punishing me right. for having offspring. Damn you all. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll have to see. I haven't seen check the Xbox version because I'm still making my way through Arrow, and that's on Amazon. So mm-hmm. I haven't been on Netflix for a while. Well, check it out when you get a chance. Especially, you know, the PS3 will it'll boot you and say, "Hey, the software update's required," and then all sure. of a sudden you'll be able to assign cute little icons to everybody and start at least laying the groundwork in the system. That's the only the PS3 is the only interface that I've run across that has the ability to actually add new profiles. The Apple TV one would allow you to see profiles if you had created them. They used to have a profile system for DVDs. Oh, okay. So you could assign DVDs to different people's profiles after you received them, and it would build recommendations then. So if you had those profiles, Apple TV would show them to you, but the PS3 version is actually advanced to the point where it says, you know, hit the triangle to add new profiles, and it oh. was allowed us to add a maximum of five. So here's hoping. So yeah, sexy cool. new technology on the way to you, even as we speak. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they also they, get, they have that whole website thing. It'd be nice if you just go on there and edit all that stuff too. And I looked, but, you know, I looked all over the your account section, and yeah. the little bit of stuff they have in there for editing profiles. Every time you touch it, it says something went wrong. We're working on the problem. We'll get back to you. <laughs> so they're, awesome. they're they're still working on the back end in a big way. It looks like, but I like where they're headed i just i just want it to be i want it to be fully functional because i'm a big old brat and i want it all i want it now and i want it free that's right i'm an american consumer damn you mm-hmm. i also had a chance to to play with the roku uh a friend of ours gave us a, a roku 3 and it's got a neat little feature of it has the full accelerometer style uh wiimote style remote that the roku xs used to have but this new version has a headphone jack in it so if you're, say, watching something on the TV and your significant other wants to roll over and go to sleep, you can pop a pair of headphones into the remote and shut the, shut the TV up for everyone except for yourself. Oh. A neat little trick. That's neat. Yep. Pretty and cool. It also, they have an app uh, available for both Android and iOS I was playing with that does a, a lot of the things that Apple's AirPlay does. So it lets you take audio and photo content from your uh, handheld device and throw it up onto the TV uh, via, oh, okay. the, via the Wi-Fi, as long as you're on the same Wi-Fi network as the Roku box. It doesn't let you throw video up there, um, which is one thing that AirPlay does that it does not. But right. it, it's 
a full-on remote control lets you access all your services on the Roku box through your tablet or, or your phone in addition to sending stuff to the Roku. So that was another neat, neat nerdy thing I got to play with this weekend. That's cool. Yeah, I actually had, I was talking to a friend this morning. He, uh, you know, after three years, finally had a red ring of death happen to his old, old Xbox. Um, so not like the revamped slim model or anything. So and that's actually a, pre- a preview for something we're going to be talking about in the Geeks in the Game <laughs> World section. Exactly. That's what made me throw it up there. Um, so he was telling me about it and the fact that basically they're using it as their media consumption device in the bedroom. Um, because he has a smart TV out in the living room. And he's like, oh, this is horrible because his wife's you know, pregnant and kind of interested in having access to Netflix uh, when she's lying around. And so we've, you know, he's talking about different options. And one of the things he brought up, because I brought up the Roku to him, and he said we, he actually looked, and Western Digital, I guess, also makes a version of that, except it's like way cheaper and comes with HD built in. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know how you can get much cheaper than the Roku box because they start at... Thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah, I don't know either because I was like, really. I guess the HD version's a little more for the Roku, and the Western Digital like has it built in, so it's right around that thirty nine ninety nine price, but with awesome with HD. So, and I mean, otherwise, it's just you know your your normal thing of just giving you access to Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and all that stuff. So. It's interesting. I mean, there's definitely a lot of options out there because I was like, well, that or you could just go get a refurbished Xbox or you could, you know, or a PS3 or just wait till the one. And yeah, hold out PS4 for the one comes out. I mean, there's a lot of options, but apparently it's not something you can wait for. So <laughs> we'll nope. see what he ends up with. Must have now. Yeah. Media is sitting there waiting to be consumed. Consume. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm still probably going to wind up getting an Apple TV just because. When I like traveling so much, she is building up a not insignificant library of stuff on iTunes for her iPad. Oh, okay. It'd be nice to be able to access that through a television front end. Of course, the only option there for the moment until the ITV comes into existence is the Apple TV module, which is a little $100 widget that does largely the same things as the Roku box, but also the front end for your iTunes library, the all-important closed walled garden. You will buy yeah. our product if you want to access your stuff. Well, you could also always just go with like a HDMI adapter for your iPad, and just plug it into your TV. You, you wired heathen, you! I mean, <laughs> what, what, cent- I what century is this, man? Oh, it's it's yeah. Well, it works. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's a lot cheaper. But you forget that uh, I don't on our main television. We currently do not have HDMI. All we have is component. Input that because and you called me a Stone Age heathen. <laughs> well, I didn't used to be a, a Stone Age heathen before uh, Arch Nemesis and her overhand destroyed our flat panel television, uh, and we had to unearth the 32 inch tube TV, which I'm glad we never threw away. And yeah. it is built like a freaking M1 Abrams and can take a pounding, which she delivers on a regular basis. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw the uh, picture of Arch Nemesis standing in front of the television with two hands on her wooden sword, watching the intro to The Hobbit. Wanting, oh, boy. Wanting to join the battle. Yeah. I'm going to stab that orc. Uh-oh. Right. <laughs> yeah, she was going after the dragon. What are you talking about? Oh, there you go. So uh-huh. there's still much swinging of weaponry happening in the family room, and I am not comfortable with bringing another flat panel television into that environment. 
You need to set it up like a prison where you have like a grate in front of your television. <laughs> yeah, because that really helps the viewing experience. Thank you for oh, that yeah. advice. Hey, man. You should do that professionally. Yard yard rules here. Make, make Nemesis a little shiv. It'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in the car. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's drop, drop the uh, call-in topic into all of your guys' subconscious. So later in the show, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you got, did you get out to see the Wolverine yet? No, we've, uh, just hopefully this week. Okay. Uh, but we also talk about some of the X-Men Days of Future Past information that's getting put out to the media. And that got me to thinking, uh, kind of a two-part question as is my want, but are we reaching comic fatigue levels in movies or is there a lot of fuel left in that tank? And specifically to X-Men Days of Future Past, since they're taking on a very interesting uh, job in that Brian Singer's come back to the franchise and has promised to unscrew some of the things that have been screwed up by other filmmakers. So he created the glory that was X2 and then went off to do a Superman movie. Bad right. choice in my opinion. And X-Men Last Stand uh, happened. That's a a thing that happened. And they're leaving it in the Fox Marvel Universe canon. And X-Men Origins Wolverine is a thing that happened. Yep. Barf. Definitely happened. And they're leaving that in there as canon. And the Wolverine, noticeably less barf. Yeah, I've yet to hear anybody say it was bad. Everybody, uh, all the reviews I've heard have been good to very good. It is. I give it a good. Um, maybe because I just wasn't in the right mindset for it. Yeah. Because um, you think Wolverine, you think action, and there was no no shortage of that, but the pacing of it was not a balls out. You know, incredibly, it wasn't you know X two style pacing where you just right and go and you don't stop until the end. There was long periods of character development and slow pacing where I was literally kind of going to myself, okay, when are we going to get to the big you know, next fight sequence? Because yeah. that's what I showed <laughs> up. That's what I showed up for. Um, it didn't make me dislike the movie; it just made me reevaluate what movie I was coming to see. So. If you want to learn more about Logan's character, this is a fantastic movie. And there's no shortage of him being a complete badass. Um, yeah. But definitely I mean, like orders of magnitude better than Origins. So, But they've set themselves the challenge of trying to bring it back to X2 levels of awesomeness. And you know, First Class helped along that way. Um, and... So they want to inject more X2 and X-Men First Class into the Fox Marvel X-Men universe. And do you think that's even possible at this late stage? I mean, can you unscrew a franchise that's gotten that screwed up and you know get us coming back to the theater? Because I thought long and hard before going to see The Wolverine. Right. And really what turned the trick is I have a little bit of time left on my movie pass. <laughs> so, so the fact it was free is basically what convinced you. <laughs> I was, it was, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, doing 
the diet thing and, you know, dropping weight. So I wasn't going to blow 20 bucks on popcorn and a soda. So I'm like, well, no harm, no foul. Right. So if they've gotten me a hardcore X-Men Marvel fan to the point of going, do I really want to go see that Wolverine movie? Something has gone wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, we look at, at Brian Singer, we look at the J.J. Abrams of the world, and we say, you know, these guys, you know, wreak freaking miracles sometimes and, and can, you know, make awesome movies out of lens flare. Um, sorry, J.J. moment. <laughs> and, but, you know, is it too little too late? What, what are your hopes and dreams for X-Men Days of Future Past? Um, they bit me with the bug slightly just by choosing Days of Future Past, which was one of the great story arcs um, from my era of reading the comic. And I think it was probably done very deliberately, but it also may have been de- very deliberately because it involves time travel. And I'm wondering how much they're going to rely on time travel to do the unscrewing. Are they going to make certain things never have happened anymore? Are they going to hit the big Star Trek reset button at the end of the movie? What, what's, what's their plan, I wonder? Well, that's, I mean, it's always an option w- with that to, to kind of wipe stuff away. And it really depends. I mean, the question also is, is, can they do it without doing that reboot? Because, you know, Batman came back from Batman and Robin. And the fact they managed to make a convincing Batman movies after that debacle. <laughs> but they weren't they trying be, to maintain but, the franchise. That's, right, that's, that's right. the thing they that makes not, me worried here is they're trying to maintain. They're, gonna, they're saying all these movies happened. Do you think Batman Begins could have happened if they said, yeah, um, Arnie as uh, Mr. Freeze, yeah, that totally happened? I mean, would they have gotten seats in the, butts in the seats at the theater with that as a premise? Right, right. I don't think they would have. I wouldn't so have gone. It's, it's tougher. It's tougher to, to try to keep it in there. Unless they just do the big reboot by by using time travel and mm-hmm. some you know mojo in that realm, then it's 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 not as tough. But it's also I wouldn't consider them really keeping it in the canon then right. either. Uh, so. and, and that's yeah, to me that, that that I feel that's cheating. But yeah. at the same time, I'm with them setting chunks of the movie in 1973. I'm actually oddly loving the really horrible fashion I'm seeing in some of the pictures. And you know, the, the sets and the costume design in particular is so, it's realistic. But the, I mean, the, if you remember the fashions in the 70s, they weren't subtle. Uh, right, right. Yeah. And Peter Dinklage. Is there nothing this man cannot do and pull off? Have you seen some of the promos of him as, as Trask? Yes, yeah. I mean, the, the stash alone. The stash. Like... He can rock that <laughs> 70s stash and make it work. I bow like, down before your superior maleness, Peter Dinklage. You, I, I couldn't rock a stash like that. I mean, no, no, with that hair. I mean, just <laughs> it's, go do a Google search for uh, Peter Dinklage as Trask from uh, Days of Future Past. And you'll see what I mean. Then they have the fake viral marketing Trask Industries website up there, uh, where they're starting to, to lay the groundwork of the alternate past, where. You know, the Sentinels were were rolled out by Trask Industries in the 70s. You know, that creates the dark future that they're going to try and undo in this. It's They're doing their due diligence with uh, all this background work and uh, deliberately viral marketing, where they just put the sites out there as if they were real companies and put the art assets in there. And the, yeah. sh- the shots of the Sentinels, like we're going to look at earlier, there's there's hope there, but... For your brains, you know, are we reaching a saturation point with comic book movies or we got long time to go or, or will it just simply never happen because it's 
just a well of good stories. And do you think that this uh, it's possible to reinvigorate and reinvigorate and unscrew a screwed up franchise like they're attempting to do with Days of Future Past? So for the fourth half of the show, have your copies of Skype warmed up and ready and pointed at Gnomewise. And we will take your calls and listen to your opinions on the topic. And then tell yeah. you and then tell you that you're wrong. Exactly. Because <laughs> Gra- are wrong. Because Grail's on the call. Right. All um, right. Yeah, no, I mean, the, it's interesting also. Uh, one of the big things also going for it is they have such a blended cast from, obviously, the X and X, X-Men and X-Men 2. Uh, all the major players from those are coming into this movie, as well as the folks from First Class, and then adding uh, like Ellen Page as Kitty Pryde. Well, she was in Peter... she was in X three. She was just a bit. She was. Yep, she was just a bit part. Oh, I, that's right, that's right. So, but I mean, that was pretty pretty small. So eh, we'll see. But yeah, I think they got a good chance. I mean, they. You know, one thing they have never lacked on is is decent actors in that movie and blending, you know, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender along with Ian McKellen, you know, Patrick Stewart. That's that's sexy enough for me right there. The awesomeness in that room threatens to collapse and form a singularity. Right, right. (laughs) It is. No, they they, that and and seeing um, What's his name? McAvoy in in seventies mode. <laughs> yeah, long, long ass hair and, and just the, the very unsavior like. Um, but they're apparently in the script will be will be a limited amount of direct interaction between him and Patrick Stewart. One would assume on the astral plane where they sure. do their do their psychic thing together. Um, creepy as hell if you think about it. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and I would, I would have been more interested in seeing Fastbender and McKellen uh, run into each other. Um, but again, this is going to be an alternate future Magneto and an alternate future uh, Xavier that are working together to try and unscrew the world. So, sure, we'll see where they take Which it. They, you know, they've always had that component to their relationship. Well, that's what makes uh, those characters fascinating: is they are right. less than one percent different. In their outlook on things, right? It's just a just... real important one percent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that, the the good writers who have come and gone on the X Men uh, franchise have have you know done great things with that, where they are truly deep, deep friends who are both terribly saddened by the fact that they have to part ways, right? Um, at the same time, uh, you know, Xavier will rip his psyche out and uh, blank his mind at the drop of a hat if he pisses him off enough. So that's right. Don't screw with the world class psychic. That's all I'm saying. Boom. That's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I think for for my take on the, I don't know if we've reached comic fatigue, but I think my bigger issue and one thing that's kept me from rushing out to see Wolverine right off the bat was I think I just have Wolverine fatigue. Yeah, they have beaten that franchise to death. Yeah, like there are other X Men, <laughs> and so. I'm hoping that that things like the what they're doing. I mean, the, the problem is Fox only got the rights to this set of characters before the Marvel team got their crap together right, and stopped right. licensing out their properties and said, "No, we are doing this all in house." Yeah. So they can't add any more characters because Marvel won't let them have them. 
So if and, and Fox has to keep using the IP in order to keep renewing their contract. So we are going to see nothing but X-Men and Wolverine movies over and over again because that's all they have access to and they want to tap that for money as often as they can. It's the same reason why we have a Spider-Man reboot is Sony does not want those rights to revert back to Marvel as desperately as Marvel would like them to revert. Um, you know, they've cut some deals where Marvel did, you know, give Fox some money and got Daredevil back in the fold. But, you know, the Daredevil movie was not a success, so there no, were, no. were probably more, you know, uh, well, it should let everyone go back home. I get that. But, I mean, my point is is that the X-Men is still, if you just are talking X-Men universe, that is a pretty vast universe. And they are a team. And I, I granted, X3 was terrible, but two Wolverine movies in a row. And while our esteemed, not acknowledged yet producer in IRC <laughs> mentions that Wolverine is the most popular X-Men, I submit to you a Rogue Gambit movie would be just as popular. Gambit, yeah. I mean, Gambit is is one who hits all the good notes with a lot of the ladies out there. Yep. And because he's you know was well written as the rebellious, mysterious, uh, you know, Cajun tongued uh, mm -hmm. thief. Uh -huh. Thief, yeah, and just bad just, boy, yeah, amongst thieves guy who can kinetically charge anything with explosive power. Right, that doesn't suck. Um, yeah. And again, he was done a tremendous disservice in um, Origins. And the, what you forget is the reason they called it X-Men Origins Wolverine is they were planning on doing X-Men Origins everybody. Right. Except for they screwed up Wolverine so badly that they're like, we're not going back to this well. And nobody wants to see right. you know, X-Men Origins Kitty Pride. <laughs> and see, the problem is that could be interesting if they go down the road of, uh, well, it's, that's not an origin story, though is her origin is pretty damn boring, but her time yeah. in Excalibur uh, off with Wisdom was freaking awesome. So right. there's, there are stories there, but they're not, you know, they perhaps made a mistake by calling it Origins. Should have been maybe yeah. X-Men Worlds. I don't know. But I digress. So let's let's acknowledge the bearded one, because I go, the dang, went along too much. Joining us in Internet Relay Chat is our producer, nay, IRC rep, the one and only Barry. Barry White, save my life. Save my life. Please send your personal messages to Barry VA. Just because. Yeah. Not necessarily get him to our attention. Just make the man Bombard feel welcome. Him. That's right. To ask, him, ask him deep personal questions about uh, Reginald and, and his mm -hmm. activities after, after dark. But I digress. <sighs> All right, which candidly brings us to our first break. Yeah. Yeah, amazing how that works. You are listening to the all-dude edition of Casually Hardcore, live on alphageekradio.com. We shall return. Hey, Scott Johnson here from Frog Pants at frogpants.com, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Yeah. 
Continues live on alphageekradio.com. Geeks in the Gaming World is the segment, and Grail is the man. Booyah! <laughs> <laughs> I will follow your lead, sir. You, I, will, I will follow you into hell, you, you magnificent bastard. That's right. Well, actually, before we get started on all the lovely articles, I finally finished my uh, Skyrim modding project. And does it work? About, yeah, it surprisingly does, considering I have about 80 mods running, I think, on it. Um, it took me about two weeks to get through, kind of slowly adding mods, running tests, making sure that uh, you know, I didn't you know, just destroy my install. Um, but yeah, it came out really, really pretty. I mean, the graphically, it got some nice uh, downloaded uh, high-quality textures for just about everything you can imagine. The water looks amazing, and then I'm running this thing called Skyrim Redone, which is a complete overhaul for combat and perks and races and all this other stuff and added stuff for the werewolves and just all kinds of crazy stuff awesome. on there. And, yeah, it's overall, it's been pretty stable. I've only had it lock up on me one time. <laughs> so. Merely one. That's an acceptable percentage when you're... That's yeah. Running how many mods written by different people and who may or may not be coming out of the same playbook. Yeah, exactly. I like. I have no idea. It, it, it got to the point where it's like I was working for like two to three hours, and it's like, oh my god, that was just lighting. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, it's gonna take forever. And so. be because I suck at self promotion, I'm gonna go back and do the thing I should have done at the top of the show, which is yeah. to remind the listeners that we have an Indiegogo fundraising campaign going on to try and get some uh, not insignificant equipment upgrades because the poor XPS here is. On its last elbows, and we want to try and make the transition to the video. So if you go over to alphageekradio.com and look for the story on the front page called Passing the Hat, you can see the link to the ongoing Indiegogo uh, fundraising event, I guess it's called. And 
if you have a couple of spare bucks and feel like uh, what we do here is worthwhile, we would appreciate any donations you can give. We are more than one quarter of the way there. We've got until the end of August to scrape together the cash. Please spread the word and, and what you can. If you can't give, that's absolutely fine. We're not going to stop doing what we do. Um, if you want to uh, give suggestions as to possible equipment also, I've seen some stuff coming through on the Facebook page, finding some better pricing for the cameras we were looking for. If, you have, you know, if you, you've done this kind of thing, we are absolutely open to suggestions um, as far as how to achieve the goal we want. We have a fantastic computer given, being given to us at a deep discount uh, from Doghouse Systems. Check them out on the web at doghousesystems.com. Uh, all this only happens if we reach our fundraising goal. We definitely we chose the Indiegogo system so that if we don't achieve the goal, we're not going to you know take the money and run. This is a system similar to Kickstarter where we only fund if we make the goal. So if you have put forth the money that's been taken out of your PayPal and we don't make the goal, it will be refunded to you. Um, and if we make the goal, then we keep it and we go get the stuff and... There will be video and a much more reliable and faster and cooler broadcast rig to be had. Boo. Yay. And Arch Nemesis approaches, so I'm going to go see what she has uh, to request from me. And you uh, lead with our next gaming topic. BR okay. BRB. Gotcha. All right. So one of the first things that uh, came out this week was the Bioshock Infinite has finally released some DLC, even though it's been months since the actual game came out and uh, they were quick to sell you a season pass. However, now they actually have something out, which is Clash in the Clouds. Uh, action-focused DLC, which uh, focuses on combat and allows you to explore the game's more violent aspects without all that story stuff getting in the way. Bah, story. Funny enough for me, I always, you know, if I have any knock at all on Infinite, it's like the combat for me just got in the way of the story. <laughs> it's like, all right, I got to kill these fools. Let's go. Let's go. I kind of want to see what happens next. So, well, there are people who are the opposite of you, so this is obviously for them. Definitely, definitely. I mean, and it's fine if that's... Uh, the first part that looks good because the next two parts seem, or the next two DLCs they've announced seem very much uh, story focused, which oh, is yeah. going to be Burial at Sea, a uh, two part single player campaign starring Booker and Elizabeth that takes place in Rapture. Which I thought and... was an interesting twist of taking the setting of Rapture, which we only saw in a tiny little bit at the end of uh, Infinite Spoiler Alert. Um, but the characters that you came to know and love in Infinite. Right. It's a interesting move. And, you know, if you haven't already played through uh, Infinite, this won't make sense. But you're actually you're playing as those characters, but not the same characters from Bioshock Infinite. You're a different version of those characters set in Rapture and set in Rapture prior to its fall. At least looking at the preview, it looks like it's a fully functional rapture that hasn't, you know, gone all to hell. And you have splicers running around murdering people and all that type of stuff. That so, seems like a nice, you know, nice film noir version of of uh, you know, the detective and, and, and the mall coming in and, you know, needing needing his help. And the dame walked into my office and. Yeah, off you go from there. But it's basically with you know with the framework of Booker and Elizabeth, and but in definitely in detective story, old town Chicago, but it's Rapture kind of a thing. 
Yeah, and it was a nice uh, throwback to the Bioshock 1 and 2 use of Ignite, where he snaps his finger and gets a little flame on the end of his finger to light her cigarette. Yep. Um, just, just go, well go see the trailer. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of it, it's really cool to just see that because really you only saw images of Rapture in its heyday during one sequence in Bioshock 2 where you're playing as a, a little sister and you get to see the world through their eyes and they've never, they don't view Rapture as ever having fallen. They still see it in its glory. So it'll be fun to actually play more in that, that time of Rapture's history. At least I'm looking forward to it for sure. Hmm. Soon, actually, that one's what they don't—they don't really give a time frame. Or they say no, in I, development. I, I would think that it's—it has to be relatively within the next few months, considering they just got this one out. Uh, I think last week is when Clash in the Clouds released. I'm trying to scan the article real quick. I don't see. No, they—they they, they avoided giving any kind of time frame. They're yeah. The fact they're splitting oh. into two parts tells me I think they want to get it in your hands, so they probably. Knew they weren't going to make a deadline anytime soon, so decided to make it a two-parter. Or that may have been the decision from the get-go. Who can say? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, approximately whenever it's finished, uh, it'll become available. <laughs> so we have, from Penny Arcade Exposition, the new PAX 10. So the indie gamer in you should be cheering for this because these are the this is a, a big thing that the penny arcade guys do that i love which is focus a lot of resources and attention on independent developers they're not unkind to the big developers because the big developers form a big part of the of the main ballroom uh at pax but they have a, a huge section that's all about independent gamers and giving them the stage and they have the PAX 10, which is the 10 that they that the you know the the members of Penny Arcade think are the are the ones to watch at this point in time, and they think that are really cool, and they they give them their chance to make their sales pitch to us. So we have yeah. a whole bunch of okay. inter- interesting looking uh, platformers and puzzle games seem to be um, the running theme here, except for ridiculous fishing, which I don't know what to make of. There is a game well, called Ridiculous Fishing. That, I mean, that's the interesting thing, I think, for me for this year's PAX 10, at least for PAX Prime. Usually it's 10 games I'm like, I have never heard. Maybe I've heard of one of them, but I've never pretty much seen them or actually played them. All news uh, to you. This year, I've actually played about half these games. Really? Um, yeah. So, like, Ridiculous Fishing, I own. I have. It, it's a great game on the uh, uh, iOS. I played on my iPad because a friend of mine just maybe four or five months ago was like this game is incredible you got to download it i'm like that's ah, cheap let me give it a try and yeah i played it probably solidly for a week until i finally beat the damn thing see in that conversation uh, right there is the foundation of the entire indie games industry a friend right. saying <laughs> you should try this thing it's really cool because looking at it, you'd say what the hell and it would just you would just walk by it because it, it's you know looks like uh Nintendo Entertainment sister System yeah. levels of graphics, a game with like a name like Ridiculous Fishing. It's like I've, I'm all fished out from my World of Warcraft days. and <laughs> But the, meh, it's cheap. And then you try it and love it, and now you're going to watch that developer more closely in the future. So we've, yeah. we've just encapsulated the entire indie games industry, and you're welcome. Yeah, so... It's interesting. I mean, like Badland uh, was a free download from the iOS store last month. 
Um, so I grabbed that from there, and that was a really cool, very strange game, though. Really kind of a spooky setting, but uh, really well done, really uh, fun to get through. Gunpoint was on the Steam sale, a summer sale, and I had a friend that I picked it up, and I was like, oh, I was debating on it. And he's like, yeah, it's really, really good. So that one I haven't actually played, but I've heard really good things about. I love uh, Escape Goat. Es- es- yeah. Escape Goat 2. From, and the developer name on that one, you know, Magical Time Bean. Right. <laughs> it's a fun puzzle game with a goat and a mouse and puzzles. Yes. And scene. Um, but basically... Because sometimes the goat has to escape again. <laughs> exactly. It's basically the redo of their original now in HD with some extra puzzles. And, but Escape Goat. Thank you, indie, indie developers. Just for now I, I have that phrase in my head and... Otherwise, would have gone to my grave without ever having that in my brain, and now I can die happy. That's right. So, good mix, though. Uh, a lot of PC games. There's even uh, Towerfall, which is on the Ouya. Ouya, which is our next topic to talk about. Yeah. You uh, with the segues, man. What is that? How Ooh. cool is that? So, yeah, Ouya, having some issues basically i wouldn't say uh, any any more issues than any other brand new launch but i like how they're reacting to them yeah they're, they're trying stuff uh, i'll give them that so basically they've had some issues since launch um they had backers that were promised early consoles didn't get them they had other people that received incomplete packages or no response when reaching out to customer service uh basically we heard the complaints and their founder uh julie Ehrman is offering store credit to anyone who's experienced issues with their console. Uh, so they're basically getting, and it's it's an interesting move because one, it's nice customer service. You're basically saying, here's credit for our store to go buy games for your device. And at the same time, it gets people to actually go to their store, which right now apparently has been an issue. Only 27% of owners of the Ouya have actually bought games from the store. Right. So this might also be a way to start moving up some traffic there as well. And they were cute. Then so, they were cute about the amount they're giving out thirteen dollars and thirty seven cents credit. Right. One <laughs> three three seven. Ah ha ha ha. But on a, on a store where you know, a lot of the games are one and two dollars, that's a not insignificant amount of change to to give yeah. somebody. Yeah, you're looking at like ten games probably. For and that. the console itself was a hundred dollars. So percentage wise, that's significant. It's not bad. It's something. I mean, I think everybody had super high hopes when it came out. It's gone pretty quiet, though, for at least the last couple of months in terms of news that I've seen on it. But hopefully this will keep some level of interest. I don't I don't need the Ouya to overtake the PS3, or, you know, the PS or the Xboxes of the world. And it never will. But I still think it should be, I think it has value as a niche space and as a place for uh, especially developers to try just different things out. And so. the... Uh... Speaking of the independent developer, it could be a great place where an indie developer could develop an amazing game, you know, the next Braid or whatever, the one that really catches people ima- people's imaginations and get their press there, and then based on that, do a Kickstarter to port it to one of the bigger uh, platforms. Yeah. So it could be definitely be a, um, oh, my, my internet man crush is back. As a total, total tangent, um, Barry, VA, <laughs> B, Barry VA from the Blackboard just alerted me to the fact that uh, Will Wheaton is tweeting about us again. So, Woo-hoo. Internet Man Crush, Internet Man Crush. 
Nice. So he's uh, he actually was was plugging us on his Facebook page the other day, and today on WillWheaton.net has put out of his uh, little blurb here, linking to us, uh, and then our recordings of Woodstock 5.0. So we thank Mr. Wheaton for that, and we know you're listening. Um, and now I'm just going to watch the traffic on our site go off the freaking charts because yep. when you have 2.3 million followers and you say, hey, you should click on this link. Um, they do. They tend <laughs> to do that. We are, we are lemmings like that. Uh, hopefully they'll all click on the uh, passing the hat thing and send us gobs of money because that's how we roll. All right. All right. Back to Geeks in the Gaming World. So, yeah, right. they, they, so they had some, some launch issues and but are, are making good on it. Uh, and I think that's... The right attitude to adopt when you're a, a fledgling developer with a brand new product and good on you. Yeah. More like that. Yeah. So, something to definitely keep an eye on. Yes. Now, the right. blast from our past and apparently our future. Yeah, I'm a... I mean, I think I've been pretty vocal that I feel EverQuest is the best MMO ever made. Um, even though it definitely was not for everyone, <laughs> it was pretty brutal. the same way Eve is not for everyone, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it, maybe not, not to that level of just well, I guess if you played on a PvP server, maybe, but nonetheless, yeah, EverQuest was definitely a challenging game back in its day. But I thought it was just such a well realized world with its history and everything else. Um, and obviously, we invested years and years. I played that game for six, seven years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and really had been quiet. I only dinked around a little bit in EverQuest 2. I go back and play Project 1999 version of EverQuest every once in a while. Just for the sheer fun but of it. Just because, yeah, it's it's really cool to, to see the old world. And out of the blue, when I was kind of researching stories for this segment this morning, I see on GameSpot, like, highlighted was that EverQuest Next could be a game changer. And I'm like, all right, let me read this story. We'll see where they're going. And... I read through the three pages of this article and was like, this is the first time I've been excited for an MMO in a long time. Yeah. Um, they're doing some really ambitious stuff that obviously they have to actually pull it off. Right. But right now, what they're saying, it makes me go, wow, that, that could be something to once again re-engage me in that that game space. If it um, works. If it works. And I mean, but this, I mean, obviously, I just spent two weeks modding Skyrim. I've played... Yeah. Elder Scrolls since Arena first came out, all the way through Daggerfall, Morrowind, Oblivion, and now Skyrim. And yet I have very little interest in the Elder Scroll Online game because it looks a very iterative uh, version of an MMO. It's not doing anything all that new from all the stuff I've read on it. The uh, the EverQuest Next is impressive. Their Their big selling points are it's going to be for the most part, a very destructible world. And buildable. And buildable. So they're mixing Minecraft-type things in, and we'll get more on that later. But, I mean, this is even to just the fact that, like, they've also said they're designing in a vertical scope. So not only does it have mountains and sky and all that stuff, but there are also going to be a subterranean areas to uh, Norath as well. And if you blast a uh, spell at somebody's feet, it can actually open a hole in the that people can fall through the hole, or you can destroy a bridge that orcs are crossing, and they'll fall into a chasm, and See, imagine just all kinds of stuff. A mage dropping a nuke at an army's feet and like dropping them in the lower guck. How cool yeah. would that be? Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> just get mauled by frogs. Froglocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Froglocks, the so, original merlocks. 
Yeah, so they're doing some really interesting stuff just in the destructibility of the world and um, and such around that. The, the character design sounds interesting. They basically said like a human mage was remi- reminded the reviewer of Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite, where it was just very, very expressive faces, um, style of graphics are colorful. Uh, definitely not EverQuest 1 or 2, but still within the same world. Uh, and then their other big thing also was just for the way they really want you to have an impact on the world to where obviously the destruction is a, a part of it. The fact that when you're doing quest areas, if you go out to and get a quest to go kill some orcs and everybody around you is killing the orcs, the orcs eventually just leave because they don't want to get murdered anymore and right. go set up in another area. And the world be is much sounds like it'll be a much more dynamic place. This... And with Okay. Oh, this this paragraph jumps out at me that and if they could pull this off, so they say permanent may be a misnomer here. After all, what one builds, one can also tear down. But in EverQuest Next, that in EverQuest Next, that's the point. Years after it launches, Georgeson, one of the developers, imagines a new player asking a veteran what Norath was like so long ago, only to receive an impassioned recounting of cities rising from the dust after periods of large scale destruction. Such dramatic events are at the center of a system called rallying calls. So you can you have those you can have those con- conversations about World of Warcraft because they've had world reshaping expansions like Cataclysm and you know addition of new whole new realms and continents. That was all sure. developer initiated. These changes that they're talking about will be player initiated. So you'll have the same kind of conversation of, oh, you know, back when I started playing, you know, the, this city wasn't even here or the city you know, was much smaller or much larger. And then the invasion happened and it all got knocked down. But they'll be talking about not stuff that the devs did and not expansion packs that you purchased, but things that you participated in. Right. That's a level of buy-in that doesn't exist in the MMO world. It's a level of buy-in that exists on Minecraft servers because people go... I freaking made this. Come yeah. see it. No, don't set fire to it, damn you all. Um, exactly. No dynamite, no creepers. Exactly. Um, yeah. It goes on to tell you one of the big things is like public quests and the fact that they're great to get people involved because people can just jump in and help. However, in its current uh, implementation in most games, they're like 15-minute type battles that and you're ends with a boss fight, and then it's done, and then it resets. Um, this they're talking about things that could take month long projects to actually build like a city or build a town and you're you're uh, you know crafting materials you're fending off invaders and doing all these type of things um, and really it it sounds more involved when I, when I think back to wow one of the big events that got everybody involved was either uh, the opening of Encourage yep which was a huge, at least a month-long event on every server, and everybody was trying to, com- to, to commit to the war effort and help out, and there was a lot of different ways you could do that. Uh, the, the island also where... The Sun... Uh, uh, yeah. Sunwell. Yeah, right. the Sunwell Island place. I forget what it was called. You had to open in that while, in but... stages. But if you weren't playing <clears throat> during those events, you missed them and they were gone forever. Right. You didn't see the various stages. Now... This sounds like it's going to be even more involved in that because you'll actually see more progress other than just a counter or, you know, a bar. But nonetheless, it's it's that type of thing. And we've already seen it in, in WoW where you give people this massive projects and it's massive amount of people that would uh, rally to it. 
Yep. So I'm really excited for it. I think that it has a really good chance of uh, of being pulled off. And then their final big thing they're doing is before the game releases, they're going to release something called, uh, what is it, EverQuest Landmark, uh, which is going to be, you know, they're not going to say Minecraft, but it's basically Minecraft, except using their engine and their design tools. And you get to make. Because, yeah, you get to make, you get a plot of land, and you get to make whatever you want to make. And they're actually going to be looking at what the use, uh, the customers are creating. And if they see something really cool, they'll incorporate it into their EverQuest Next design. Uh, because right now, when they started playing with their tools in, in-house, they were just having competition, like who can make the most fantastic thing. And then somebody said, well, what if we give this to the players? And, you know, this was born. So I th- believe it's in January. Uh, they're going to have this available, and you can actually start developing and using what to looks to be a pretty uh, impressive graphic engine to craft your own world. I hope this takes off for several reasons. Number one, I'd love to go back to Norath. Uh, yeah. And I just like saying Smedley. <laughs> That's right. The Sony Online Entertainment President, John Smedley. Smedley rolls off the tongue so much more gracefully than Kotick. Smedley. Right. Kotick. Right. Smedley. It's, it's, it's a medley. It feels right. so nice. It's a medley of Smed. So, and I think the article really sums up the, the last paragraph for me is I can't express my uh, suppress my excitement over what I heard and saw. At this stage, every element is grounded by a big if. Right. But if Sony uh, Online Entertainment can pull off what they want to pull off, EverQuest Next could be actually be the next big thing. And I, from after reading it, I'm excited about something I had no idea existed as of yesterday. Gone from <laughs> so, zero to must have in one article. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty impressive. How do I get so into the beta? I, I know I swore I'd never do another beta, but screw it. Where do I get my beta key? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it feels like to me, if I'm going to beta it, I'll just play that landmark thing and tinker around in there. You get to see the graphic engine in action. You get to see other people's designs and just kind of tool around. It, it's not actual EverQuest, but at least you can get a feel for how things are going to work. I mean, they, they talked about all kinds of other crazy things like parkour for your characters and all the, you know the way the combat's going to so, so flow. The, so they've it's, thrown some Mirror's Edge in there as well. Yeah, right yeah, the Mirror's Minecraft. Edge definitely kind of in line with like the Guild Wars too. Like very active combat. You're not just going to stand there and push. You know, one, two, three type rotations. Um, but that's more to me iterative of what we already have seen. The world design, the breakability, the the participation in massive changes to the world. That's all player driven. Um, you know, that's that's really big. And the only thing up to this point that has had something like that is Eve. But even Eve is just you're changing to players and power structures. You're not actually changing the, the world. So. Right. You're, you're mining asteroids about the biggest impact you make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but the world, you know, whatever planet's over there, that planet's still going to remain. You don't you can't build a Death Star yet. So God, on to God uh, help them if they did. In, in the <laughs> Death Star. I never Indeed. used that code word. Oh, man, that galaxy would be a wasteland. No, can you imagine multiple Death Stars duking it out? Hours of entertainment. Yeah, or a brief flash. And, yeah. then everybody and goes done. Whoever, whoever got their shot off first wins. <laughs> oh, right. lag spike. Oh, so sorry, dude. <laughs> so, consoles. The uh, people who had a chance to look at the hardware design of the Xbox One 
And one of the things that people you know, made note of, the fact that it's this enormous, chunky box along the lines of like a TiVo HD or almost the size of a full-size piece of stereo equipment, which to me makes perfect sense because you're supposed to stick this thing on your entertainment center. I've never understood why component makers were going for small and slim when my case and my racks are designed for fat and chunky. And most of them forgetting the reason these things are fat and chunky is because they run frickin' hot and need to dissipate heat. And that's what Microsoft is going for on this thing. Saying, screw thin, stylish design. We want this thing to run cool because we had some slight issues with our technology design with the Xbox 360. <coughs> Ring of death. And yeah. we don't want to repeat that. So we'll take our criticisms for being big, fat, and chunky for a planned 10-year lifespan. And what they're basically saying in this article is it's designed to come into your home go into your entertainment center, be turned on, and then not turned off again for 10 years. That's no small undertaking for a piece of computer equipment. No, not at all. So I'm glad they've gone with superior cooling and a big chunky case where the airflow can be good because uh, I would like it to last 10 years and not one year and 10 months like my original Xbox did with its lovely 90-day warranty. Not that I'm bitter and don't remember that to this very day. <laughs> and that's why yeah. they need to overcome problems like that. Because I'm still bitter that my original Xbox had a very short life. And I didn't really get to play out the full depth of my library. Because I'm sure as hell wasn't ponying up money for another one at that point. Because the 360 was on the horizon at that point. And then they wound up not getting me as a 360 customer. Because PS3. Which then, right. which then died on me in a stab of irony. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's not the actual devices, but perhaps the owner of said devices. Eat me. I'm just saying. That's a, that's a lot of evidence. I have a, Circumstantial. I have still. a Gen 1 TiVo that's still in operation. So I have a ridiculous hat. Therefore, your argument is invalid. Mm-hmm. So basically, you just kill gaming devices. <laughs> they can hear you. So yeah, the uh, yeah they described it. You know, we don't want to repeat the Xbox 360 build quality fiasco, which indeed it was. Um, so there's some nice shots of the interior of the uh, of the box, and a little bit of preview action of the uh, new and improved uh, dashboard, but. You know, if you're if you're a hardware geek, this article is for you. Um, yeah, but I'm glad, I'm glad to see they actually put some thought into it, and, and style did not trump functionality. Yeah, there's a lot of you know stuff, and I mean, obviously, you're, you're you lean a little more towards the Sony stuff. I lean a little more towards the Xbox, but I mean, there's an interesting uh, QuakeCon was going on this week, and John Carmack, you know, obviously did the keynote for it. And basically came out and said, yeah, you know, when I look at the Xbox One and the PS4, hardware-wise, they're pretty much exactly the same. He goes, it's actually kind of weird that they went that route, but there's really no, very, very little difference between the two <laughs> from a developer standpoint. So, Which is interesting like, because right. you look at the previous generation, and Sony went completely crazy with the cell architecture and you know, oh, yeah. all kinds of custom design. And the Xbox... And the 360 large, they were basically just PCs. Right. And the guts of the original Wii was you know, a Radeon video card 
and mm-hmm. a PowerPC processor. And the Wii U, I think, is more towards an Intel AMD platform. So they're, 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 they've decided not to dump as much R&D, any of them it looks like, into the custom super performing things they've realized. Ah, that was a waste of money. Um, right. And off-the-shelf components, as long as they're good off-the-shelf components, will do just fine. And it's all about the developers and supporting the, the developers well. Yeah, yeah, and giving them obviously, you know, the big benefit is that the, they have a standardized uh, a good configuration S- for all of it to work with. And if it's, compared if to it PC. helps them port from uh, one platform to another, that can't hurt. I know that's not their goal, but the developers like it when your architecture is similar because porting becomes trivial. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I think we've we've had other discussions about this. the The days of the massive amounts of exclusive titles are done. There, you're looking at maybe 10, I think, on the Xbox and 15 on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. There's not a lot of that anymore where you're going to only see, you know, X number of games on one thing back, you know, compared to the days of like the when the PlayStation was out along with the Saturn and uh, whatever iteration Saturn. the Nintendo was on by that point. Mm-hmm. Nintendo was... Think, then, NES to SNES transition right around that period. Well, S- SNES was uh, Genesis and uh, Turbo Graphics. The PlayStation, right. when that came out, that would have probably N64. been either the 64. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. uh, just the lovely walk down Amnesia Lane. Mm-hmm. All right, we are at the end of a segment, so we shall play you some more John the Colton. Got the uh, everyone's favorite zombie song regarding your brains queued up here. You're listening to Casually Hardcore Dude Edition live on alphageekradio.com. We shall return with Research to Chaos right after this. Title and background music for this production provided courtesy of Sean Beeson, composer for media. Find him on the web at www.seanbeeson.com. That's S-E-A-N-B-E-E-S-O-N.com. Hey, you Tom, it's Bob from the office down the hall. It's good to see you, buddy. How have you been? Things have been okay for me, except that I'm a zombie now. Really wish you'd let us in. I think I speak for all of us when I say I understand why you folks might hesitate to submit to our demand. But here's an FYI you're all gonna die screaming. All we wanna do is eat your brains. We're not unreasonable. I mean, no one's gonna eat your eyes All we wanna do is eat your brains We're at an impasse here Maybe we should compromise If you open up the door We'll all come inside and eat your brains I don't wanna nitpick But is this really your plan? Spend your whole life locked inside a mall Maybe that 
bigger picture stuff But Tom, that's what I do And I plan on eating you slowly your eyes All we want to do is eat your brains We're at an impasse here Maybe we should compromise You open up the door We'll all come inside and eat your brains I'd like to help you Tom in any way I Searched chaos. Casually Hardcore continues live on AlphaGeekRadio.com. Moving on into Research Chaos, which is powered by you. Our all-volunteer research team contributes links and story ideas that they have found during their travels during the week. And we chase those rabbit holes down because that's how we roll. We are tremendously thankful to our volunteer research team and our contributors this week to the thread which was named whilst happily adventuring at QuakeCon. our contributors include deus ex sen raven macbit not to be confused with MacButt, the barry von awesome and he contributed in time this week just so i could say his name say my name bitch boba fetish thank you boba right on right on right on Mm-hmm. And we have no shortage of stuff, but I have to start with Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> so I blame <laughs> you because you're the one that got me into Archer. Yep. And only in the internet age could this come into being. So what this team of people have done 
is they've gone to the old Star Trek the Animated Series and they've taken dialogue from Archer and superimposed it on images and scenes from Star Trek the Animated Series and the result is complete awesomeness. Yeah. You have to have watched Archer, I yes, think, to absolutely. get it. absolutely. Because without it, you're just like, what in the hell is happening? But it was pretty, phone. It had me laughing. Like, I started this really early this morning, and I was like, what is this? I clicked on it, and I was like, all right, let me watch one of the episodes. I was like, oh, man, that was pretty funny. Cyril <laughs> Figgis. I returned. That was me. I had to go off uh, ah. to the phone. Oh, okay. Iolite has <laughs> safely landed in Florida. And obtained her record, her rental vehicle, a Dodge Challenger. So Iolite is now tooling around South Florida in a muscle car. Oh, all right. She is having a far better time than I'm having. She should type something in the IRC next time <laughs> or something. I thought it was going to be a shorter call than that. So we'll fix it in post. <laughs> so, yes, Craziness. I left off with the you have to have watched Archer to truly appreciate it. And I agree because there's a lot of in jokes. Yeah, um, yeah. But the whole... Archer as Kirk and Lana as Uhura. Um, and Krieger as Scotty is, is a nice touch, too. Um, but it's extremely funny. Yeah. Yeah. It is good. Worth the watch. When I saw that, right. like, Star Trek Trek. What the hell is Star Trek Trek? Yeah. And then I played the first one. Oh, Star Trek. Oh. Oh, I see. Now I recognize the font and uh, I get it now. If you don't watch Archer, you should. Yeah, exactly. There's no excuse. It's on Netflix. They had Aisha Tyler was one of the presenters at Woodstock this year. Oh, okay. And when she finished and went off stage, um, Paul from Paul and Storm came back on stage and said, I can't hold my head high as a geek and not do this. And he just looked off stage and went, Lana, 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 Lana. (laughs) And then she came out. What? Danger zone. Danger zone. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That is possibly the coolest thing I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. All right. So there, yes, the, the awesomeness that is Star Trek meets Archer, which who knew? Right, right. So, so we, uh, we touched upon this a little earlier. Uh, X-Men, Days of Future Past. And... They're at Comic Con. They had some of the busts from the Sentinel designs, uh, the 1970s Sentinel designs from the movie. And then now that they've put up the fake Trask Industries website, they've got lots of stills of the Sentinel designs, and they're they're fairly different from the designs from the comics. But they really they have the same vibe to them. I mean, they're, 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 they're purple and silver, which is as a sentinel should be. Um, with the glowing red eyes. Right. I mean, the, the head is correct. Yeah, so. the head. Well, it doesn't have the, the weird canisters around the brim of the head, which I could do without. Um, right, right. So generally, but they've, they've inserted them into fake historical photos on the yeah. track site. They, they did a really good job. Um, so... The and of course they had the the headshot of Peter Dinklage as Trask, rocking the seventies stash and the seventies tie and the seventies hair and oh yeah, which I was raving about earlier. Um, so 
we'll see. I mean, they, they, they've not screwed up the Sentinels. So that's the first good step. Because um, the only nod they've had to the Sentinels was the Invisible Sentinel in uh, was X2 or X3, where they had the Danger Room sequence that was completely in darkness. Um, yeah. And you just had the flying severed head of the Sentinel kind of gliding past frame because budget cuts? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it just, just pissed me off. Wanna, yeah, dive into that yet, I guess. I don't know. I just work here. Right, so, right. The, the... Yeah, it looks, looks good. It was enough to make me go, okay, it looks like they're nailing that piece or at least making it functional enough. I mean, they're not the giant skyscraper tall sentinels, but that's okay. I think it'll work in the 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 look they've given them. Yeah, they're about you know one story tall. Yeah, a little shy yeah. of that. So they're they're impressive, and they've got the in on the Trask site they have the suppression collars. So the slap this on a mutant and it suppresses the X gene kind of a thing. So they uh, <laughs> in the comments section someone took the Peter Dinklage headshot and turned it into a, a, a demotiv- demotivational poster and says they laughed at my height. I laughed at their deaths. <laughs> that's awesome. And if you know Trask, that's pretty accurate. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, Interesting. Cool. So, again, more viral marketing from Fox. Well done. Yeah. You're hoping that the movie is as good as the marketing. Yeah, the little promo video is pretty cool, so I liked it. Yeah, yeah the, the Trask the, Industries. The fake Trask yeah, Industries. Yeah. <laughs> Trask Industries, 1970s style. <laughs> that's right. But I just worked So. Here. Looks good. Pick one. What do you got? Um, I'm going to go one that's actually not on the list since this happened a couple hours before we went on the air. Uh, they've announced the next Doctor. Yes, they did. And it's someone you've seen in the Doctor Who universe before. Yeah, a couple times. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, the uh, Fires of Pompeii. Right. And he was in Torchwood uh, Children of Earth. Yes. As the really not nice uh, British representative who talked to the uh, smoky alien through the glass. Right. And he blew his family and himself away. Yep. A la the end of the mist. Yep. Same, same kind of thing. Um, Good actor. I think he's a really good choice. Um, He's yet another Scottish actor that they've chosen for the role. Yeah. Um, I really have, I have no... Negative vibes. I, mean, I had negative vibes about Matt, Matt Smith when he was announced because he was the first ever 20-something doctor. Right. Um, this guy's 55, I want to say. Uh, born in 58. So, uh, Math is man, hard. He's, yeah, he's 55, yeah. Right on the money. So a return to a mature actor playing the doctor, which is a first since the reboot. Uh, though technically we've seen the little teaser of John Hurt playing the Mystery Doctor. Yeah. So, um, so he's technically probably the oldest one since the reboot. We haven't seen that, realized we won't see that until the uh, 50th anniversary special. Big reveal there. And so we'll have the 50th anniversary special with Matt Smith and David Tennant and John Hurt all playing the Doctor. And then we will have the Christmas special at the end of which one assumes we will see the regeneration into the new doctor whose name I do not it's remember Peter uh, Capaldi Peter Capaldi Peter Capaldi so then they yep. did they did an interesting little thing where they actually did the reveal in a live TV show uh, today 
Uh, it was the first time they've ever done that. So they actually had some of the previous doctors. They had Peter Davison there. Um, and did their big dun dun dun. And the new guy. And here he is. Bang. Yep. So here's hoping. Um, they give him interesting stuff to do. He's, he's definitely a qualified actor for the job. We've, we've you know, seen him on the show, for God's sake. Um, which is not not the first. I mean, we saw the actress who played Martha Jones played a different role before she came back as Martha Jones. Um, so they they're, right. they're not shy right. about mining you know, people they've used for other stuff. Just usually not for such a major role as the guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. It was a little odd that yeah he's been in there, but he's already been in there twice. So yeah, and it's two different characters. So really, at this point, yeah, I'd just go with it. Willful <laughs> suspension of disbelief. And there's also yeah. there's always there they have their little. Uh, trope in there that at least they had Romana in the old doctor choosing what she was going to look like and she actually you know, chose to make herself look like a, a person they had met uh, before mm. so there's an implication that they, they can actually assert some kind of power over their uh, over the regeneration, over the regeneration but I don't I think it was just because uh-huh. they wanted Maybe. to use the same actress again well, yeah, and if uh, oh, uh, Moffat is involved, I mean, he could even tie it all together, so who knows? <laughs> no, he thinks he can tie it all together, and then he'll leave six plot threads hanging and never speak of them again. Well, that's how he ties it all together. I miss, like, we'll I just ignore those. never thought I would hear myself <laughs> say this, but I miss Russell T. Davies. I want, I, want, I want more writers than just Moffat. But I digress. Yeah. Um, but I like everything I've seen this actor do, and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm happy to see an older, hopefully less bouncing off the walls like a ping pong ball in a in a clothes dryer kind of wacky actor. If you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he's but he's got a pretty big range of things that he's done. So yeah, I want to see what I want to see what kind of writing is given to him. Yeah, because he's, he's done several comedy series as well, so it really depends on what aspect of his uh, a talent he, they want to bring out. Do they want him to? Because he can play serious, like really serious. But uh, I know they were saying he's really well known for, I guess, a British show where he's a really foul mouthed guy on a comedy show. Yeah. Will um, Will the next Doctor meet of... his enemies with a stream of well crafted obscenities? That would be awesome, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> I know, right? Daleks, uh, I'm going to F you in the A. And they'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> who, who is this doctor? I'm going to F you in the A stock. Yeah, you got an I stock? I know you got the A stock there, too. Yep. We're going to make an A stock for you. Mm-hmm. He tore me a new I stock. <laughs> he tore me a new I stock. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <sighs> that Oof. belch brought to you by the hard-to-find Cherry Crush. Mm. Which, for those of you who may not be aficionados of Crush... Um, the cherry, if you go to their website, they list it as a seasonal flavor, mm-hmm. which is weird because I grew up in Western New York and this was always on the shelves and that's where I developed my taste for it. And when we were up in the secret mountain lair last week, the Wally world there had the stuff stacked, you know, 12 deep on their shelf. So I stocked up on it cause you can't get it in the Valley to save your freaking life. You can only get the Spawn of Satan Strawberry Crush. Um, so I'm enjoying my uh, hard-to-come-by taste of my youth, Cherry Crush, and I just belched it upon all of you because 
Nice. It's done out of love. Yeah, I have some RC Cola in the fridge downstairs. Royal Crown from the bottlers at Killill. Big, big, uh, big deal in the Midwest. Not so much out here. RC is my go-to cola. I love their mm-hmm. cherry cola above all other cherry colas. <laughs> it is the prime cherry cola for me. It is my preferred. I mean, if I, if I there's a few places like Honey Bear's Barbecue downtown Phoenix. Oh yeah, you can get cherry RC on the fountain. Nice. Now, now that is a freaking rare bird. Yep. And just my opinion, best cherry cola out there is Royal Crown Cherry Cola. Nice. And I like just the, the little bit of lime juice they add to RC Cola, too. I know. Yeah, yeah. It just gives it a nice, nice flavor. So, But this, yeah, something I find all over Chicago. It took me a while to find that out here. So, All right, let's move on. Moving so it. we got, uh, what if a company doesn't like a product review? Should they be able to take it down? That's not what product review means. Yeah, this is a really odd case. So basically, this happened to a guy, uh, Den Lenny of F-Stop Academy. Um, even though they owned all of the equipment in the review, he was reviewing the Rotolite uh, Nova, uh, Dito Softbox, and the Kino Flow Celeb, which are all LED light setups, from what I could gather, just doing a quick look at their product sites. Um, so I think he was just comparing and contrasting these three products in a relatively a YouTube, or I'm sorry, it was a Vimo video. And uh, the company that didn't like his review, Rotolite, uh, who makes the Anovia, sent a DMCA takedown notice to Vimo, and they probably removed it without really checking into it or right. anything. They, no, the knee-jerk reaction the is, oh, DMCA takedown notice, take it down. Yep, take it down. So... And yeah, so they make LED like floodlights, and they did a big. Uh, and the response from them was basically they felt the testing procedures weren't fair. Okay. And then Rotolite posted on uh, Den Lenny's Facebook page, uh, "We would be delighted for you to do a side by side comparison of our light. All that we would kindly ask is that we're given the opportunity to ensure that the camera and lighting are set up correctly to ensure a fair and representative result." And to go on to say, we have no problem with it being an independent test. Uh, and just do it you, right. Just do it the way we want you to do it. It's not, you know, but it's independent. And so they go on to say at the, at, you know, here's all the, you know, different uh, uh, information on why uh, our LED may not work or look correct under certain lighting conditions that you're showing and blah, blah, blah. And then it goes, you know, you are right, though. We should have really just contacted you directly to arrange the retest rather than acted via Vimo. Uh, and please accept our apologies. Uh, we have no issue with posting results of the retest. All we wanted to ensure is that the test was representative. Mm-hmm. Um, that's... That doesn't seem right. I think the word you're. I, I think mean, the word you're looking for there is bullshit. Yeah, That's bullshit. It's, it's just, you know, I get that the fact that as a company, if you make something, you want that thing to be shown in the best possible light, or at least a light that you feel is free. You know, is 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 just you know just to your product. That said, you are putting your product out there, and as soon as somebody buys your product, they are completely within their rights to tell their friends or tell anybody, this is my thoughts on the product. And to send a DMCA letter to Vimo, and actually, and, and I think a lot of this fault is also on Vimo, to just, who just took the letter and said, okay, yep, yeah, let's take it down. Um, 
I think it's just wrong on so many levels. Because, I mean, what is, is Roto Light running around to anybody that buys their light and tells somebody, you know, I didn't think it was that good? Are they making them, you know, do a complete retest before they give their opinion to their friend? I don't think they are. No, this is total <laughs> abuse of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act and exposes many of the flaws of the DMCA. Yeah. It's become so mechanized because when dealing with the YouTubes and Vimeos of the world, they are working on such a scale of numbers of videos that they just send these shotgun blast takedown notices and the systems are designed to just knee-jerk obey and then they'll unblock things later if people successfully contest it. That's right. kind of the reverse of how things are supposed to work. The due diligence is supposed to come on the front end, not the back end, guys. You're being lazy. Yes, I understand it's challenging, but business is hard. Put on your big boy pants and do it right the first time. And you know, it's the Dig Digital Millennium Copyright Act. There was no copyright violation there. Yeah. He just... Just... Just bullshit. Yeah, it's just bad. It's bad on a lot of levels. It's shame on Ro uh, Roll of Light for you know, going that route without just contacting them and saying, hey, here's our concerns about your review. Please try um, testing it this other way. It would have been yeah. better press if the guy had just then posted a response video or replaced the video saying, hey, I did it wrong. And when I did right. it the right way, if I'd read the friendly manual or, you know, done whatever that, that I was doing wrong, look how much better it is. I want to thank yeah, the guys exactly. at Rotolite for, for setting me straight. Right, right. Instead, they lawyered saying, up. Here's here's an uh, alternate opinion or something. Right. But yeah, and and shame on Vimo for just you know throwing over. over like a you know a dandelion in the wind when they get a notice. So not good, and it really you know makes you more definitely worrisome uh, uh, looking for reviews on products if if mm -hmm. basically. The only thing that's going to be out there for us to consume is things that have been vetted by the company in question that's being reviewed. Well, yeah, that's the problem with the the review sites of the world is you know the concept of astroturfing. You get yeah. marketing companies out there that put out and downvote legitimate reviews and pretty much any you know Yelp-like site that gains any kind of traction seems to be immediately descended upon by fleets of big companies looking out for their intellectual property who game the system and make the all the reviews invalid by putting all the injecting all the fake content in there and that just this is this is why we can't have nice nice things exactly it's a bunch of hoo-ha but i'm not bitter <laughs> but i secretly am in case yeah, you were paying attention mm -hmm. all right we have one more music break for you guys I have a little more Joko for you. Jan dance, Satorius Johnson dance coming your way. After which we'll be taking your calls. So warm up your copies of Skype and point them at the GnomeWise account. That's G-N-O-M-E-W-I-S-E -E on Skype. Today's call-in topic talks about the attempt uh, for by Fox under uh, Brian Singer's guidance to try and unscrew some of the things that have been done to the X-Men uh cinema universe by other artists that took the uh the property after he walked away from it for a while and give the new movie more of an x-men first class treatment try and make it something that we the fans can love 
and the average non-comic uh, book fan can love as well. What do you think? You know, should they be trying that? Should they have gone the reboot route, which has been done to death? I'm looking at you, Batman and Spider-Man. And are we just at a critical mass of too many comic book properties being converted into movies, or do you think that's a limitless supply of good stories that we're ne- really, because they are good stories, are we never going to get tired of them? So right. think about those things and make your call when we resume the next segment. For now, enjoy Jonathan Colton. We'll be back right after this. Scott Johnson here from Frog Pants Studios, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Go at the light of the truth you can't hide 
I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Nerds with opinions. Casually Hardcore continues live on AlphaGeekRadio.com. We are nerds, as are you, and we all have opinions. And now is the time to express them. Make your calls to the GnomeWise account on Skype. And we've already got uh, the great bearded one, the Barry Von Awesome, on the line. We know you have opinions, so uh, out with them. You can't start talking about the X-Men movies and not expect me to call in. You think? I do not think that they can unbone this boning. They need to scrap it all and start over again. They just, I, Brian Singer, in my opinion, just does not get the X-Men and just... It's been boned. It, you know, the only thing you can do is, uh, you know, scrap it and start over again because Excuse they just they messed it up. Nuke the site from orbit is the only way to be sure. I blame Fox. Oh, hang on. I think I've managed to uh, not put you both in the same call. Uh-huh. Why, hello there. Well, I screwed that up. <laughs> I thought you might have. I put you on hold instead of putting you on a group call. And welcome. I, I'm dumb that way. I just suck. And welcome to Casually Hardcore. You're on the air. Who's calling? Um, I think it's Talia again. Talia, how are you doing? <laughs> I, I did that all wrong. So now I have us all on the same call together. How are you? Uh, good, good. And what, and how, how do you feel about, about X-Men? It's uh, about X-Men. I have to call because I'm a, I'm a huge X-Men fan. You are not alone. Uh, still... I think I, I I can follow the bearded one with, with a lot of what he says, so I think he's right that there's a chance it can good can be good. X Men Days of Future Past. I mean, we've got Singer back and Chris Chris Claremont is writing it, so see to me, hope, to me that was a huge part was was the freaking Chris Claremont who wrote some of the best damn X Men story arcs ever. Yeah, except Chris Claremont always had his. Thing with, uh, how, how do I call it? With uh, he has some things. Yes, he has issues. With, yes, with Chris Yes, most good but, good writers do. I'm looking at you, Frank Miller. Oh, Frank Miller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the difference is, Chris Claremont accepts that he has issues and he tries to control it. Frank Miller embraces yeah. those <laughs> and, and yeah, thinks but, thinks that they're a selling I point. I mean. When you read, when you read the what was it again? Holy War, yeah. yeah holy Terror of Chris Cla- of Frank Miller. It's like no, no, this isn't working, Mister Miller. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> nobody, I, I think everybody's scared to ask him. Ask it the same. It's it's like. Um, Have you seen what he looks like? Who's the Who's the writer again? Who wrote? Um, uh, damn it! Big Beard looks like uh, we got the, Watchmen. The guy. Watchmen. I don't know, who? Um, yeah, who wrote Watchmen? Who was it again? Orson. Hmm? Drawing a blank. Why can't I think of the guy who wrote Watchmen? But yeah, he right. he is big, but, big, scary hobo, hobo looking guy. Yeah, hobo, yeah. He, he will cut you. He will Alan cut you. Moore. Alan Moore. Thank you. Alan Moore. Yeah. Oh God, Alan Moore. He looks terrible. But <laughs> the X Men Three movie. I I think most people just put X Men Three aside because it was written by, it was directed by Brett Ratner, and we dislike the man very much. <laughs> Now, spoiler alert for the Wolverine. Gene, oh, seen it. Gene, you know, is a recurring character in dream sequences in uh, the Wolverine, as well she should be, because Logan is really screwed up about uh, you know what happened at the end of X three, 
And a big part of the story arc in there is him trying and failing on many levels to deal with that fact. Hey, I murdered the woman I loved who I couldn't get to cheat on me away from her. I, I, I have issues. Oh. I have issues. She gets killed every episode. Yeah, well, she'll you, be, uh, she'll never be, she'll mind the number of times that Jean Grey has died and been resurrected. The Phoenix Force right. and Jean Grey and a clone and a thing and a Madeline Pryor and I don't, yeah, just, I don't know. But you think, do you think it's beyond saving or do you think there's a chance no, 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 that... No, no, no. I think the Jean thing can work. Actually, Jean Grey didn't die that much in the comics if you don't count with uh, clones, alternate realities... And the Phoenix Force uh, impersonating her. Visions of the future, the Phoenix Force. Yeah, if, if you can bypass all that, I think she only died once or twice. Oh, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> we have been so... <laughs> desensitized. Desensitized yeah. to death. Ah, they'll bring him back. Everybody dies in the in the Marvel universe. There's one character who keeps who doesn't go who doesn't get Captain away. Marvel. I think is the only one who stayed dead. There's one character who doesn't. Uncle die. Ben. Uncle Ben. Yeah. Everybody else gets back. I mean, yep. in, in the Marvel Ultimate Universe, it was like, um, oh no, Gwen Stacy gets eaten by um, Venom. By, by, by Venom. The, the, the black um, Venom. Venom. Spider Man. And then, oh yeah, she's back. Did, did he poop her out or something? I mean, what? what? Uh, oh, Might as well have. Hey, clones. clones. When in doubt, clones. Oh, but, yeah. Well, thank you but, for your, your well-considered and well-expressed opinion. There's no Daxa here to hear the sultry sound of your uh, your voice, though. Too bad. We're, we're, <laughs> we're recording it for her. We'll, we'll play it for Sucks her. Sucks to be her. Sucks to be her. Her loss, okay. our gain. Thank you very much for calling. We'll catch you next time. Be well. Thanks. And you are on Casually Hardcore. Who's calling next? This is AgraSSW. Now or later. I'd love to give a shout-out to my loving girlfriend, Ambrosia Hartnett. Shout-out, so given. Love transmitted over the power of the tubes. Digi Ooh. Digital love, the best kind of love there is. Trademark. And what are your opinions on today's call-in topic? Uh, actually, I, I kind of agree with what the, the bearded one said about how things can get so screwed up that they can, they're beyond redemption, but... Uh, there, there are, there are certain except, uh, exceptions though. There are certain franchises that, you know, it's like, it, it's been screwed up, but at the same time, it's one of those things that if it's close enough to your heart, you hope to God it gets unscrewed. James Bond in particular? I mean, there, there were, there were some, you know, f some movies in that franchise that have gone pretty far off the rails in, into Moonraker <laughs> fantasy territory. <laughs> um, and yet there's still... You know, the, the modern ca uh, Casino Royale uh, in technically the same franchise. So, well, you can write that off by just uh, accepting that James Bond is a Time Lord. Yes. There you go. Or it's not the same guy, and it's just the 007 James Bond name is passed from agent to agent is another way of rationalizing that whole thing. And, you know, they tried to explain that in the newest uh, James Bond movie spoilers because it's been out for a year, though. And I still think that they made a huge mistake in that movie because it didn't make sense to me. I loved uh, the bits in it? Skyfall that... The, the way they ended it. They ended it the way any of the 60s and 70s era Bond films would have begun. With... But so it could lead directly into any of the original early movies with Money Penny sitting outside and M on the inside 
and Bond showing up to the office and the, the, the circular nature of it of saying, yes, we're, yes, we acknowledge and we nod to the fact that we're going round and round in circles with the same, same characters. But explain this to me. Because it was a major plot point in the movie, and this is going to be a huge spoiler, that the main villain was a former double O agent who was disgruntled with the fact that they disavowed him and he couldn't go back to his old life because they had completely erased his existence and made him someone completely new and whatever. They had, you know, he was not James Bond, but he was Agent 004 or whatever, and, they, and he just assumed that identity and they erased his old life. But at the same time, James Bond played by Daniel Craig in this movie, was James Bond from birth. They went back to his homestead in Scotland, and his parents' graves said Bond, Bond. on the... So that didn't make any sense to me. Is that the policy where they scrub people's former lives? Or did they scrub his former life to the existence where... Or to the point where they went to Scotland and changed the gravestones and told the old caregiver, when he gets up here, you make sure you call him James, because that's his name now. Go back to I sleep, mean, Barry. What? I said, go back to sleep, Barry. <laughs> that movie didn't make any. That was the one thing in the movie that didn't make any sense to me because they tried to tie it all together. And it's, it's just, just, the, just the one thing. The one thing. The one thing. The one thing. Make sense to you? Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it was just a fun action movie, you know, oh with uh, spies and thrillers and gadgets and all that fun stuff. But that I thought that was a huge plot hole that no one can explain to me. See, for me as an IT professional, the let's take the unknown quantity laptop and plug it directly into our local area network and see what happens yeah that was a smart thing for q to do oh what a surprise there's now malware on our network however did that happen <laughs> british internets that's all i, I have to say on the whole train crashing <laughs> BS thing, so i can get to a courthouse and shoot somebody and then miss yeah like, you really had to go through all that just to walk into a courthouse and shoot somebody? How could you miss? Uh, yep. He was yeah. thrown by the wigs. So, That's a little off topic, though. So, yeah, Agrius, yeah. back to you. Um, so do you think you, you think it's too far gone that it's it's not salvageable? Uh, I think it is salvageable. It, it all depends on, you know, is it in good hands or not? That's the, that's the major question, too. Well, Singer and Claremont. So Singer, you know, brought us the X-Men and X2, which are, in my opinion, the, the two best. Um, mm -hmm. So can we return to... Did, who did uh, First Class? Anyone know? Uh, uh, I, I can Google it. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. going to say, I don't remember off the top of my head. Finish on that one. Yeah, whoever did that, I know they have some limited involvement in this. Um, but so if we, uh, we've been satisfied with Singer's output before in this universe, the real question is you know, his assertion that he can't, uh. he intends to and can, thinks he can undo some of the more ridiculous things that were done. Do we believe this and do we hold out a lot of hope? Partly my inner late 80s early 90s x-men nerd wants it to be true wants him to pull it off because i don't want those those that that crappy stuff i don't want that version of deadpool in my brain i want to brain bleach that out i'm still Are you ready for the thread that will pull all of this together okay the whole show all right ready for this x-men first class was directed by matthew vaughn the guy who also uh, directed kick-ass he also made Stardust, which was the Neil Gaiman adaptation, which is an awesome movie, Love it. and Layer Cake, 
the Daniel Craig movie that I believe was solely made uh, so that they could say, look, this is Daniel Craig in an action film. Just They made that movie just to prove that he could play James Bond. That's the only reason that movie exists. Movie exists. It was, it was a casting call for Daniel Craig. Exactly. It's a good movie if you watch it, but essentially it's just proof that he could play James Bond. That is, a weird, that is weird that, that that touches on all of our conversation points. It's actually borderline creepy <laughs> yeah. as hell. Wow. That ain't right, kids. Hairy. Don't do drugs, kids. Yes. Don't do beard. Trust the internet. The interwebs are your friend. They will never hurt you. And shout out to all the people from the NSA who are tuned in. And we know you are. I expect the black helicopters and the knock at the door any moment now. They'll probably come to my house by mistake. <laughs> or on purpose, because I already told them to. But I digress. I don't speak to those guys. Hi, hi guys. How you doing? And I, I, I know. I know his address. Yeah, go on. Run along. Get in your black helicopters. But I digress. But again, Barry will be okay, because they can't. Pro- no one will prosecute a beard. <laughs> Postal worker with a beard. Hmm. Mm, yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I, you're also see, pal- you guys, see you guys in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't right. Don't do drugs, kids. So yeah, I'm I'm at once dubious and hopeful that uh, that this may yet pull out. Now, what's the somebody's got the IMDb open there? What's the projected street date for Days of Future Past? Is it a, is that a holiday movie? Oh uh, well, see now Matthew Vaughn didn't uh, direct that. I don't May twenty third. Okay, so so now not past, till next year. Yeah. So they're getting yep. they're getting started on the marketing wicked early on that then. Really early, yeah. So that's a kickoff for next summer, really. Damn. You know, it it says he's a producer. Matthew Vaughn is a producer on that, and he's also producing uh, the new Fantastic Four movie for the year after that. Oh, now, God. Fantastic Four is that going to be a Disney property now? Uh, no. no so I think that that still is still Fox. with Fox, and they are going to try to tie it in with the X Men universe. Although uh, I've been reading things on the um, uh, about the new Spider-Man movie that they are going to try and play friendly between um, Sony and, and Disney and try and tie some stuff together. Really? Yeah, there's really? been a lot of talk about it. I mean, it was, it was literally, from what I've heard, uh, this close to happening in the last Spider-Man movie. They were going to do uh, some kind of Avengers uh, uh Amazing Spider-Man thing, and it just barely didn't happen. See, and I don't understand why that's not happened. Just as a matter of course, because yeah. it's just it's guys. You could be printing money. You will get the fan base to show up to your films. Everybody wins. Who loses in a world where Sony and Disney can play nice and let the characters and actors appear in in the opposing films? The actors get paid to do their job. More people show up to see both movies. Well, what's what's where's the downside for them in that equation that they're so freaking recalcitrant about wanting to do it? Well, I think it comes down to control. I mean, you have Marvel who probably has a vision for where they want to go with the Avengers, and Sony would be more like a partner, but not one they could directly control what they're going to do with their franchise for for Spider Man. So it's just can they work? work well together yeah i mean just get the writers at the same table and and write them a bible saying yeah here's things you can do and here's things we absolutely you cannot do because it will screw with our plans down the road for the character right now that assumes that they have a plan 
you know, long-term plan, which Marvel definitely does. Sony probably not so much. Because Marvel's no. got their freaking phase one, phase two, phase three cinematic universe. I mean, they got their treating this like massive ongoing comic book series, which totally to their credit. I'm glad they're doing that. It makes for a very cohesive universe and movies that I want to keep showing up for because they cross-pollinate. And the Spider-Man movies just feel like uh, villain of the week or the too many villains this week uh, <laughs> movies. <sighs> what the hell is Sandman even doing in that movie? I don't know. But I'm not bitter or anything like that. <laughs> I wish we—I just wish we had Andrew Garfield in the suit from the get-go. Because, and to their credit, they got my ass in the seat. I got—I went and I saw, you know, this the Spider-Man reboot, and don't like the expanded origin story they've given you with with the mysterious parentage and the. Um, yeah, Oscorp the, uh, genetic engineering yeah. crap and stuff that they've implied. Yeah, there. the fact it was kind of almost planned that he became Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the Ultimate Universe leaking in again, right? Yeah, they're they're borrowing from from Ultimates again. But I did like the James Garfield doing the smartass kid version of Peter Parker. Yeah, he's I, a way better Peter Parker than that other guy. Yeah, I believe that Peter Parker is a kid from New York in the new Spider-Man, way more than I did in uh, Raimi's. As good as those were in other ways, so I love Doc Ock over there. You know, there's a lot of stuff that was done well. My big question marks for the new Spider-Man film are the direction they're headed with Electro, which could be awesome or really disappointing. Exactly. Um, Jamie Foxx, you know, I've seen him do some pretty impressive stuff. I mean, he is, as you know, you look past his, his merely comedic stuff, and he is a skilled and talented actor. And just wondering what they've given him to do. And, and the pictures I've seen of him up, done up as Electra have, have alternately repelled and intrigued me. Some of them, <laughs> really, some of them, a couple of the early ones looked really bad. And then some of the more recent ones, like, that looks pretty intimidating and badass and right I, and i was also glad to hear that rhino apparently um is is a small part in this one so they're not doing you know paul giamatti i love paul giamatti and i hope they you know he is a bigger villain later on um but apparently he's he's not it's not like he's facing off against the two villains uh like they did in the you know spider-man 3 that they're perhaps setting up Giamatti to be a bigger villain later in the franchise. So I was, I was actually kind of glad to see that you know, Electro is going to be the focus in this one. And we're also going to get our look at the uh, new uh, Harry Osborn in this next movie. Oh, okay. Do we know who, they, who they've cast? Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I've seen pictures of him. He's a guy. He's been in other stuff. I, I don't have to Google it uh, to remember his name, but... Um, I want to say he's another British guy. Because the oh, Green God. Goblins are well known for their British accents. Grail, you started to say well, something. I mean, Andrew Garfield's British. Right. No, I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to have Paul Giamatti play the rhino. <laughs> From everything we've seen, the shots he was in just a mocap outfit, and it looked like he was in like a power loader kind of a thing. Oh, so okay. it's yeah, kind of like a mechanized, suit, a mechanized um, suit, yeah, like aliens. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, uh, very cool. But you can't really tell because it was just all the marker points for a mocap. But the 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 shape of the mocap enclosure implied that he was wearing some kind of bulky mechanical suit. So gotcha, we'll see. gotcha. Okay. 
but I liked how they had him all tatted up in an interesting way, uh, like barbed wire tat around. He was all shaved bald and looked... I mean, Paul Giamatti is not, on the surface, a very intimidating-looking guy. No. He looked intimidating and rough and mean in the shots that I saw of him. Okay. He has, and he has a, I've seen him in tons of stuff. He, as an actor, he has a tremendous, tremendous breadth of, of uh, capabilities there. I'm just, yeah. Was not the first person I would have thought when you said rhino. Right. Oh, you know what? I was wrong. This kid's not British. He just looks really waspy. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, did you see that movie Chronicle? Uh, yeah. The Blair Witch Project where they uh, got the superpowers? He was the, the kid at the camera. Yeah, the bad one. Yeah. <laughs> or as I like to call it, Akira. That movie was just Akira. If you, Yeah. I saw that coming up on streaming recently. Is that worth seeing? I'm trying to build my streaming library a bit. Uh, do you yeah. get nauseous with the uh, ste- the steady cam running around assholes with the camcorder thing? Because that was my problem with the movie. Otherwise, it was cool. Yeah, Cloverfield annoyed at least you know, the first two thirds of Cloverfield before they totally abandoned the handheld camera, even faking it. Um, annoyed me a bit, but uh, well, this movie's exactly like that, except for it's uh, superhero ast- kids. Asteroid falls to Earth, and uh, then just the movie Akira happens. <laughs> I've already seen but, Akira, and it, they. I mean, the the premise is that it's all made Blair Witch style from found footage. Although, unlike the Blair Witch, where it was just a couple kids in the woods with one camera, uh, they constantly in this movie cut to cell phone cameras, uh, ATM cameras, security cameras on buildings and such like that, back and forth because some pretty epic battles actually take place between these kids with their superpowers. But it gets to the point where you're like, oh, that's a conveniently based... Uh, ATM? This happened. ATM, yeah. <laughs> it it, it yeah. gets a little a little weird. ATM has a full-color HD camera in it. What a concept. Well, no, there is some really good moments, too, where they'll cut to one of those cameras, and it'll go black and white and silent for a second. You know, they actually stay pretty true to that. But, right. I mean, the points where the kids are running around with the camera, and there's even a thing like... Oh, I upgraded my camera now because, you know, essentially he got superpowers and just went and stole a nicer camera. Dur, yeah. But I don't know. What would it, what I, would it... I, I couldn't watch the whole movie without having to go throw up because the steady cam stuff just gets right to me. <laughs> just clean Reginald when you're done. Yeah. Some people can handle it. Some people can't. Yeah. Uh, I am one of those that cannot. All right. So I've never, I've never actually seen the Jason Bourne movies all the way through. <laughs> So let's wrap this up. So it seems like the general, thank you, gentlemen, for calling in and for expressing your nerd-based opinions. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. And so the general consensus seemed to be that there's not a lot of hope being held out there, that they're going to be able to unscrew the damage that's been done to the X franchise on Fox. Is that the vibe you got as well, Grail? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, there's still a lot of, I mean, this, though, I would think is it if... uh, I mean, the Wolverine was a good step in the right direction, but it hasn't exactly been what I'd consider a box office smash. So I think they have to get traction with this movie. If this one is god awful, I don't. It may be like five, six years before we come back to it, then, or even ten years before we come back to the X Men universe. Well, the problem is that won't happen. They will put out a crappy movie because if they wait too many years, the right, 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 right. revert. So we're going to get a crap movie. This is why we keep getting installments in these franchises. When we don't need them and they're not ready for them, yeah, they're willing to do a break-even proposition just to keep the rights. Well, you never know. Or if it bombs and they don't make any money and, and you know they'll actually lose money on the venture, um, 
they may Sony may get to the point that where they or Fox is, I should say in that case of X Men they may get to the point where they just go let's let's sell the rights back to Marvel and get some money back. You're um, just hoping because I, I I would love to have the kids back in in the same barn and lots of po- just, possibilities for I, for cross. I'd rather see your your vision of like them actually working together collaboratively because I don't mind other studios having a chance to say something having it all in one enclosure is seamless but it also doesn't lead to a lot of innovation true so i kind of like to i'd like to see more of that but right now that doesn't seem to be in the works at all yeah sadly lawyers damn them all yeah all right let's wrap this baby up let's steer this boat into riddlin bay and let's put out some thanks thank you to all the volunteers in the volunteer research team we greatly appreciate your input every week if you want to join the team, head over to the Versus the World forums and send a personal message to Gnomewise, asking for access to the board so you can write as well as read. Everyone is welcome to read, so you can go in there and see all the stuff we didn't have time to get to. There's always lots of interesting stuff in there, even if we don't get to it on the show, so enjoy that. You can find us on Facebook. Just do a search for Casually Hardcore. You can also find us on Google+. You can look there for Alpha Geek Radio. On Twitter, the show's feed is Hardcore Casuals. The network is Alpha Geek Radio. I am Gnomewise, and he is Izzy Grail. That's I-Z-Z-Y-G-R-A-I-L. You can send us emails to the show at alphageekradio.com. That is the show at alphageekradio.com. Our sister feeds there are Alpha Geek Radio for convention coverage and things like Wootstock, and it's very fat and full of content right now. And Alpha Geek Interviews for the occasional interview that we get scheduled. Sponsor a segment sometimes. Send us five bucks via the link on our front page, and you can write a little paragraph to introduce any of the segments on the show and designate who you want to say it, and in what kind of funny voice you want them to say it in. You can also find our feeds on Stitcher Radio if you prefer to listen via the Stitcher app on iOS and Android. If you need to buy something from Amazon, UK or US, take a moment and use the search engine that's on the front page of alphageekradio.com to begin your search, and you will be donating to the station without it costing you any extra money. We will get a small cut of your purchase from Amazon and... That's all you need to do is begin the search with the search tool on our site, and you'll be supporting the station, which we greatly appreciate. Rate us on iTunes. Do some ratings there. Always increases our visibility, helps us find other listeners to join in the community. Take a moment and go over to doghousesystems.com. They are sponsoring us in the form of giving us a deep discount on the laptop we're looking to buy. Should we make our fundraising goal, which is the other thing you should check out on the front page, look for the Passing the Hat story posted on the front page go over to indiegogo and check out our pitch there and if you can send us a couple of bucks we would greatly appreciate it we've got till the end of august to reach our goal we are just a little over a quarter of the way there we appreciate all your generosity so far and look forward to bringing you guys awesome new video content as well as reliable audio content moving forward that i believe is a wrap i have been gnomewise and i've been grail and we'll be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel, possibly with women folk. I know, right? Maybe. It could happen. We are out of here. Bye-bye, radio people.